0: Somewhere men are laughing, and somewhere children shout, but there is no joy in Mother Mighty Casey has. Song!
1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for
0: visiting.
2: Welcome back to the Mudville Podcast It is Thursday, December 7th And I'm one of your hosts, Nolan Rabine I'm Brody Stab, the other host It's been a little bit over a week Since we brought you guys an episode Uh, We had one planned for last week But our guest passed away Peacefully at his home In Connecticut at the age of 100 Hank and the boys were going to talk about late period Abel Verara, But uh, then he went and died on (laughs) us So that was incredibly rude of you Henry anyway but we couldn't get him on uh, so instead we got our buddy Lance how are you today my friend
1: I'm doing well guys thanks for having me on
2: you're very very welcome that was a joke of course Henry Kissinger did not die peacefully. Uh, He choked on an extra thick turd. He was just snacking on turds out of his bucket, and he popped one into his mouth. It was just a little little too thick. Uh, No turds. Couldn't get it down his throat, and then there it was. Bang, right there, 100.
0: So in the last week, the news has revolved around Henry Kissinger dying and the Yankees getting one Soto. Now, if you could tell me that those were events that were going to happen within, like, five days of each other, and that the Yankees would have tweeted about them both. And, and that the Yankees would have tweeted about them both. That's a really good point to add. That's an addendum that needs to be said, which I really don't understand.
2: Yeah, you know, being a Yankees fan, you get the eternal reminder that uh, they are a force for evil, and then that, that is something that you have to reckon with. Well, they don't call but, them the evil empire
0: for nothing. Speaking yeah, of which, they're calling say, them the that again now. <laughs> I got I got to get a lot of my thoughts off my chest about Juan Soto um, yeah, and okay. I recorded yesterday, so go check out that episode of SBNY, Stab Brothers New York Sports, if you want to hear most of my immediate reactionary thoughts on the whole ordeal, but at that time it was not yet official, which it is now, um, so Nolan and Lance, by the way, how you doing, welcome to the pod, uh, <laughs> let's, let's get into Soto then.
2: Absolutely. I, yeah, let's do it. I woke up today and Juan Soto was a New York Yankee, and that was just an incredible feeling. I I think it's the best that I felt about the franchise in at least three or four years. And it's really funny because last week I had written an entire script about how I wanted to rail against the franchise you know, I was going to consider Boone and Cashman and Steinbrenner's legacies failures. But um, instead, i the main thing that I really think about this deal is that Brian Cashman just got so incredibly lucky that the opportunity to make up for passing on Bryce Harper fell into his lap. Like, how many times have we railed against Brian Cashman on the podcast a million like so much that we created a a whole new podcast for it (laughs) and also not enough somehow aaron boone is like largely benign i think i have no problem with boone yeah but like i think the oh four red Sox shit in the 2022 alcs was unforgivable and i'm gonna think about that alongside him forever unless the yankees win a title And I'm going to think about Cashman's failures over literal decades and his inability to put a championship roster on the field. And I'm going to think of Hal Steinbrenner as a loser-fail-son hack. Like I was fully prepared to go on the podcast and talk about how the entire organization down to the hot dog vendors need to view this upcoming season as a last-ditch opportunity to save not only their job, but their careers. So
0: I I, think they heard your brain. Yeah. um, So
2: I think
1: that. I think they felt the collective consciousness of the Yankees fan. base As well. I mean, there was a lot of unspoken tension and a lot of spoken tension. Lots of very spoken tension. Let's let's, let's make sure we give uh, New York fans what they deserve here. There's lots of spoken tension and unspoken tension on the Yankees needing to be more aggressive um, and fans feeling failed for, for the performance this year. I mean, there's no way around that.
0: And I think for all the shit that Yankee fans had to take the last couple of years, because we genuinely did take a lot, there was a lot of, I don't know, ink spilled over how shitty Yankee fans are for, like, booing Joey Gallo out of town and, like, constantly bitching about Brian Cashman, even though he's going to be, like, a Hall of Fame executive. Like all You know, wh- Whatever. All this stuff that we've heard about how Yankee fans are ungrateful crybabies. But that directly made the Yankees react and get us Juan Soto. So (laughs) fuck everyone else. (laughs) Suck my dick. Let's go, Yankees. (laughs) Um, And also today I actually tweeted out because Brian Cashman had a really good set of quotes today, actually in an interview, and he said that he wants to make New York the mecca of baseball, which to add on to what I was just saying, we have bullied Brian Cashman into being cool again. Like, that's where we're at. Yeah, and so I, I, I was so like, too. this doesn't sound like the Cashman we've known for the last five to ten years. Fans absolutely drove him insane to the point where the only thing he could do to save his own psyche is to pander endlessly. Um, and then, you know, that being said, go out and, and bring was, me Yamamoto, bickering, you I mean, bald man. Just a
1: couple of weeks ago, right. Just a couple of weeks ago, he's bickering with the press. Yeah, cursing, about, at, about them, the is, yeah, cursing at them, which is very un Yankee like. Totally <laughs> losing is cool Hal must um, be like dude and, just and like he, you don't yeah, have to right. do this <laughs> yep. and like you alluded to nolan this falls in his lap and he gets an injection of life and and the yankees get a new injection of life that as we watched this season develop we realized they need it when you know really going into this season everyone kind of thought like this season was supposed to be that injection so to be able to come through and, and get that retroactively and, and make good with the fans and give us a true chance to win the world series this year I mean he knocked it out of the park and 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 hopefully he can run with that and and doesn't fumble it here
0: yeah i mean this is he has set himself up to completely put himself back in the good grace of the fans he's already halfway there all you got to do now is go get yamamoto and we're good and here's a part of this that uh there's a a wrinkle that i thought of today that i haven't really heard anybody talking about because there's been a lot of people talking about what are they going to do with the outfield like Judge is now being penciled in to be a center fielder every day, and like people are upset about that. They don't know if Verdugo is actually, you know, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. And it, it doesn't because Grisham is a plus defender in center field. He should be playing center every day. He's not, um, he shouldn't be the, the fourth outfielder. Um, Verdugo is not a great defender. It doesn't really make a lot of sense with the lineup or whatever. Um, and yeah. Soto, we know, is not a good defender, um, which doesn't really matter because he's, generational hitter, but um, what he's set himself up to do here, him being Brian Cashman, is he has set up the ability to do another thing that some of the loudest and most annoying Yankee fans really want, which is ship Giancarlo Stanton out of town by eating the rest of his contract, because that would open up the ability for Soto to be the D.H., every day or Aaron Judge to be the DH every day. And then all of a sudden you don't have an issue. You have Trent Grisham, who again is a plus defender in center field to the, you know, not to the level of Harrison Bader necessarily, but close. You have the ability to put him out there, Stanton would be gone that whole albatross anchor thing that he has been for the last few years would be gone so if he shows up like they're all saying we expect huge things out of Giancarlo this year setting his expectations really high so that when he doesn't meet them they could just eat the money (laughs) and send him out of town and I don't want that because I really want a very good season out of Giancarlo Stanton because we have him. You might as well get good production out of him. Like, fix yourself, dude. Um, he's 33. <laughs> like, fix yeah, yourself. Yeah, he's um, not
1: quite that old. So.
0: It, it would benefit everyone if Stanton could have a good productive season. That being said, they have set themselves up excellently and kind of have everyone prepped for when he doesn't. They can do what they have to do, and, and that will be the end of it. But it would, I, it would make me sad I like Stanton as a person I, I don't think he deserved that but go on
2: uh, yeah well look, I've got two things that I want to say I've actually three but two of them are, are kind of connected Um, one of which is that I think we're going to see a lot of uh, Trent Grisham in center field like especially as we get into some of the like dog days of summer going into like June or July or something because yeah. you know all of these hypothetical lineups that we're, we're seeing they include the lug of Stanton having to be put in there at DH and like you know Boone talks about we we might slot him into the outfield a couple games or whatever even if they do which they probably shouldn't like that's not going to make too much of a difference realistically with John Carlo like what do you what can you really expect like how many games can you expect him to play like if you get. 90 games out of him and he produces well in, in those games you have to be prepared for that to be his like 80th percentile outcome at at this point and right. the yankee teams of the past few years were not equipped to handle that at all stanton goes down and then they had to put somebody else at dh and then you didn't have a corner outfield at all which is why we got stuck with like a year of a. Uh, Willie Calhoun and Franchi Cordero Who? and Oswaldo Cabrera Who? and all
0: of these guys Ugh. that I just like never want to hear their names again I don't mind Oswaldo Cabrera but Willie Calhoun and Franchi Cordero and all those Jake Bowers like dude see ya I like, agree with you I get would out not, of here. they should keep Oswaldo around and like <laughs> trip yeah, Bowers, or whatever. Bowers
1: almost grew on me I liked the,
0: the I liked the heart and hustle that I saw with Jake yeah, Bowers I but I hated what movies. he represented so guys, yeah, this is enough. fucking yeah,
2: stock. Syndrome. We're complimenting Jake Bowers. We're Look, Yankees. Jake
0: Bowers played <laughs> his ass off. No, legitimately. Jake Bowers played really. He played like he wanted to be there, which last year not a lot of guys right. did that. So that was I respected that. Other than that, yeah. See ya, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, the revolving door was way too much.
0: Awful.
2: John Carlos Stanton is a guy who's going to miss like 60 to 70 games a year. The rest of the roster has to be prepared to pick up the slack while he's gone. And that means that there have to be guys on the bench, these depth players, who can slot in to the bottom of a lineup and can hit in those like seven, eight, nine holes and still be counted to be on base when the big dogs come up at the uh, top of the lineup. And they haven't been able to do that over the past four or five seasons at this point. So many times players have gone down and then they've been searching for this young talent that they don't really have either on their bench or on like AAA or and that's what these two trades over the past couple days fix in a way and they acquired Juan Soto and Trent Grisham of course from the Padres and they also got Alex Verdugo from the Red Sox in a cross rival deal. So that's three left-handed outfielders. Like all of a sudden the Yankees have too many lefty bats in the outfield. And no, they don't. (laughs) I I know. Right. Too many. Too many. But it's, like, the fact that that's, a, that's even a conversation we could have feels, like, completely surreal I, yeah. after the past, you want I would say, four seasons. Exactly. Like, you know. It's a good problem. Like, how many seasons did they have those, as as Luke Voigt put it, right-handed big donkeys in the lineup? Like, <laughs> just, like, eight or nine guys in a row, all right-handed hitters. And you have that short yeah. porch in Yankee Stadium. Like, it just feels like a no-brainer that you should, like, bring in left handed bats. And then they have tried that over the past few years, but all the left handed bats that they brought in have sucked. Like Joey Gallo was dog shit. Benintendi got hurt like he was playing okay for a little while Verdugo is a very similar player I think to Benintendi he's a bit of yeah. a worse defender and runner or whatever so probably a bit of a worse player they do tend to like those guys those like kind of low power high contact guys and those are the kind of guys that I'm talking about They that, that you need to be able to slot into those like seven eight nine spots and now that Soto and Judge especially at the top you can fill out like three four five with Rizzo Stanton Torres whoever and then you you have those guys at the end i think you can count on that lineup to be able to just put teams away early those are my first two points and then you know i wanted to stress again when brian cashman passed on bryce harper in 2019 we were expecting the team to bring in a bat that offseason whether it be like harper machado or whoever they were expected to bring in like one or two superstars that year to really turn what was a young upcoming roster into a multi-year dynasty and then that failed to happen you know they they passed on those guys and they absolutely should not have passed on Bryce Harper that's completely obvious we've said that so many times and that is like the kind of thing that should haunt a general manager for like the rest of his career like that is not a mistake you should be able to make up for and it's crazy that the circumstances fell into place where he was able to right that wrong albeit four years later for disappointing years later um with a, a player who is more valuable than harper i mean this if they can resign him that is but um you know i was talking about just a few years ago we were talking about would you rather have judge or soto and i was talking i was saying soto just because he was so much younger he was like 22 23 at the time like he's been traded twice now before his age 25 season that is an incredibly unlikely scenario that required one owner to like bankrupt himself and trade all all of his dying. players. No, <laughs> not even. That's a different owner. Oh, you're talking, one you're owner talking to Washington. go bankrupt, a, another owner to die, and <laughs> a general manager to commit three hundred million to Xander Bogart's when he was unsure if he could pay one soto. And also to give a six year contract to a thirty eight year old you Darvish. Like all of those things had to happen. In order for this opportunity to fall into the Yankees' lap, where they were able to acquire Juan Soto, and I think we cannot let this episode go by without just stressing how incredibly unlikely that was, and how lucky we should feel right now as Yankees fans to have this player on our team. Well said. Absolutely, Lance. Do I mean, you I have, do have unlimited grat-
1: gratitude for sure? I and I have a and take that's. It's just not optimistic anymore, guys. I mean, yeah. I can't, like, when you tip this entire thing off by saying there are some, like, there are some New York-type fans that just want Stanton gone, I don't care if we DFA'd. Him. I said this in our group chat the other day. Bobby Benilla, the guy. I don't care if we give him $5 million until 2060 to leave us alone. Like, and and I agreed with you guys for a long time because I was saying those same exact things, like, really, as I look at the numbers around, around 2021 because... You look at him when he's come over to the Yankees, 852 OPS, 894 OPS, 887 OPS, 870 OPS. All that's fine. Okay, he's not giving me that that many at-bats. At least when he's out there, he's effective. The past two years, you're talking about a guy that hit 759 and 695 for that metric. And it's all coming in the on-base percentage metric that means he's just having terrible at-bats. And you watch him, and when he's cold these days, he's not hitting anything. Anything. Like back in no, the day he, when he would he's a cold, brutal at least, watch. If he got a meatball down the middle, he's he's taking it 450. Yeah, no, right? he's he's I mean, an
0: awful watch these days. Yeah. <laughs> like.
1: These days it's just it's not happening for him and I I think it's a product of the circumstance at this point. I think there's a truly soured relationship. I mean, to be Cashman and come out and say what he said about him um constantly getting hurt knowing that his representation is the same representation as Yamamoto. His catchman might be dumb, but he's he's smart in that regard. He knows things like that, right? These guys, yeah. these guys are where they are for a reason. Um, and for him to go that far on and like, I think that relationship is fried. Um, and I think it's best for, for both of those parties to move on in, in whatever way that has to happen. And, you know, you're the Yankees. You have money. Eat it a little bit. And now you have what you wanted because now you have the most feared back-to-back stack in the in the MLB when you talk about Soto and Judge, um, as opposed to it being Stanton and Judge, which was obviously the plan when um, they gave a, a, a pretty small prospect pack to the Marlins for him. Right. But I can't stand Stanton. And um, Nolan, to your other point, I, I definitely agree. It's been pure elation on my end, and it really revitalized my thoughts about the team this year because... I mean I thought we were going to kind of have like a reload year because you know you're the Yankees you don't rebuild they would have got a few mediocre players at the deadline to give it the old college try but um now you look at that roster and that's a lineup that you can see anchoring um maybe what's probably going to be a a, a kind of shaky pitching staff at this point so that's you know I'm pumped and I'm happy for the organization I mean let's go right let's um, I can't wait for spring training at this point
0: I'm like very much ready for baseball to start already I I wanted to say Two things off of that. One, um, yeah, the pitching staff is extremely rough right now. We are in, like, deep shit with the current arrangement. Like, they, it's, it's to the point that they kind of have to get Yamamoto for this all to uh, to work yeah. out. And we can get into that in more depth in a little bit um, because I also just wanted to say. So you talked about Stan having a frayed relationship with um, the Yankees, yeah. and it reminded me of somebody else who we had very high expectations for where the relationship just soured and it was time to go their separate ways, which is, of course, Luis Severino, um, who I gave a send-off to in our other podcast with my brother because I love Sevy, still do. I wish him the best, of course, in Queens. Um, and I also want him to come back um, after this season. I also think it's ridiculous that the Yankees didn't sign him because the plus side on Sevy having a good year this year is your five starter that you desperately fucking need. And worst case scenario, you, he ends up being your swing guy. Like, I don't understand why they didn't just give him another one-year shot. Like, they really need pitching right now. And, like, this is... I think if Sevy had not signed with the Mets when he did, they probably... Like, if he was still out there, they would probably go do it right now. Um, because there's no point for them not to. And it's stupid not to. If the if they could, um, which is also why I think they're going to end up doing that with Montas. But Sevi would have been perfect to bring back for this uh, season, just to kick the tires and check for a one-year deal. There was no harm in it at all.
2: I guess what what I would say to that would be that I do feel like uh, Severino and Stanton are at somewhat similar positions, at least towards the end of, of last year. Because, you know... Those are both guys that I absolutely wanted to root for. Like, we're talking about, like, Giancarlo Stanton having a frayed relationship with the team and with fans and whatever. But that is, like, exclusively as a player. Like, Stanton is not someone who yeah. has gone out and, like, badmouthed the team. It's actually never, been on never. The, the contrary right, of that. Right. He has yeah. taken, he's yeah. held himself accountable for so much. He says, I need to stay on the field. I need to. Be, be better, better and always. like I always. respect him for that so yep. much. And unfortunately, like it it is at the point where he's probably going to be a liability in the Yankee lineup at at least if he is the same stanton that we've seen for the past few years, which is in one of two modes, he's kind of like a shower faucet that is hot 20% of the time and cold <laughs> like yeah. 80% of the time. I mean- and Dude, I
1: just two seventy-five OBP this year. Take a walk. Literally and figured. Ooh, Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I can like, like, take sad. a walk, brother. I, yeah. I do have hopes I didn't that mean to interrupt he can. No, no, no. No, no you're good, fine. man. We
0: we step over each other all the time. Uh I was gonna say I do have hope that he actually does turn around this year. Like they are very optimistic with him coming back, and I know they have to be Upbeat about it to some degree, although not really. Considering when Cashman went on his whole fucking tirade, he just said we expect standing at hurt because it's part of his game now. Like that's not good. Like <laughs> yeah. that's not something you say. But at so, a certain point, you like, have
1: to call a spade a spade. It's like, true, but that's do?
0: that's what I'm saying. If you're willing to do <laughs> that, then that why say you, like,
1: fucking, you know massive checks? <laughs> like, yeah,
0: well, yeah, but like again, it's this checks. is and this is why. Like, if you. If you are going to be doing that and you're going to be bad mouthing, then you just like don't bring it up. Like you just treat right. him like a non factor. Whereas they're everyone's saying like he's gone out, he's doing the work, he's very motivated to come back and fix what was wrong last. season. like this is a new angle for the Yankees that that they've not had in the last few years, which is hey something was wrong. Like by the way, yeah. we're not gonna deny 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 anymore that we had problems. Stand was an issue. The roster was an issue. We were too right-handed. We had no defense in the outfield. We had like you know shaky depth at every position. Like, it's all being addressed. And so now yeah. it's, like, it's kind of nice to hear that, hey, we weren't crazy. The fans were not nuts when we were screaming our heads off that this is not good enough. And stop saying you're a World Series team when you are very clearly not. You missed the playoffs. Um, so now it actually feels like they're aware. Um, Which is nice. And Stanton going to fix his issues could be part of that whole awareness thing. Like, hey, you can go fix yourself. You're 33. You're an extremely athletic person. There's no way you can be this bad. Uh, Or there's no way you have to be this bad. You can be better than this.
2: (laughs) There have just been so many moments over the past five years or so, maybe more like 12, but I'll be generous, that have just felt like such drastic miscalculations like the josh donaldson trade the 04 red sox thing and the dugout that i'm just never going to forget about for the rest of my life essentially every time Brian Cashman like opens his mouth in front of reporters until today he did well today he did do um, well today there have have just been so many of those moments that reek of ineptitude but but, like worse than that organizational rot and like as a fan it's fucking sucked like I don't like seeing that that my team was the only one putting out a statement to commemorate Henry Kissinger that sucks that's that's cartoon (laughs) shit that sucks of course, that that's just, like, <laughs> Randy Levine. And I know that, like, the players and fans don't know who that is for the most part, and the ones that do are, like, normal about it and hate him and feel like he was the devil. Are you talking about Randy Levine or Henry Kissinger? Both. Okay. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, God. just Similar characters in history. (laughs) (laughs) Rooting for this team was starting to feel like going to visit your grandpa, but he's like really racist and he doesn't remember you and he just shit his pants and you have to be the one to like clean him up because your dad is on the phone with the bank. And it's like... (laughs) I know I'm supposed to love these men, but shouldn't I love myself more?
0: <laughs> That's why they needed to make no, this that was move. scarily accurate. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, they needed to get younger. They needed, I don't know. Does this mean that your old shitty ass grandpa is now dating like a 20 year old? Is that what's happening? I don't know where you're Something getting like that, that from, but why like, not? They got they, younger. They, had they got like, younger they just, and more okay. like attractive. <laughs> well, no, I,
2: I would say grandpa died and uh, dad hung up on the bank and realized he had to spend more time with his son. That's better. I guess okay. that's the best way I can complete that. Yeah, forget no, what I said. That's better.
1: <laughs> I, um, I just I think what bothered me was the stick-to-itiveness on those mistakes, too. So oh, yes, you have that grandpa and like yeah. he's not trying to get to to get better he doesn't want you like, to change the pants no he doesn't he literally I didn't shit want my to. pants like, and the smell isn't smell that bad it. it's like how yeah. you wait hold on and the smell's like, not
0: bad or you didn't shit your pants both okay <laughs> yeah and then
1: <laughs> even during that press conference when when Cashman was all fired up Somebody brought up Peraza and they were like, Well if Peraza hit, like, you know, you would have been right. in the lineup and Cash was right. like, No, there there still wasn't a spot for Peraza. Who's he gonna hit over? Right. Josh Donaldson? Yes. Yes, yes. Brian? Yes. That's exactly yes. who he's gonna hit over. Yeah. He came up and performed. Like <laughs> you also why are you got sit rid of there and defend that? a
0: two eighty oh hitter. In Gio Urshela, who would like rip doubles like every single game yep. for Josh Donaldson. And then we're like, the yeah, well, club. Gio Orchella is no Josh Donaldson. I, I think we can hang up the Gio Orchella <laughs> point. No, I, I am still tight about <laughs> Gio Rochella. <laughs> right, fine. Mean, I'm just fired up
1: about Donaldson.
0: Like, I, I'm, I'm still, there's so many things. And you know what? If you're a little bit older than us, like if you're like in your 40s maybe, I guess, and you've been as, as close. That's like, even too, much. I would say even like late 20s because well, well maybe like i, all right, I, I have an axe to grind with brian cashman and i am 25 years old <laughs> i have been a very dedicated yankee fan probably for about 15 years where i really know what's going on and i've been a yankee fan my whole life um but like really like keyed in for 15 years probably sure if you're like 40 and you've been doing the same thing so i said 15 years like, so when i was 10 probably that feels right yeah 10 because i would have been 10 in 2008 that checks out so um that is when, like, I really started like paying attention. Oh, you if hopped you were on when they 40, signed everybody. saying no, no, my God, no. <laughs> I was still. I I don't remember O four that well. Just that my family was really sad and stuff. But I don't I, either. I, I remember the early two thousands teams well, though. They're, we've talked about that. Yeah, how we sort nostalgic. of escaped that trauma. Yes, we're they're very nostalgic, and I remember them. But I wasn't like you know, I was a little kid. It's just like fun, um, but not fun. You get what I mean. If you're like forty, and you've been a Yankee fan for. Like, extremely close to your entire life. Brian Cashman has been the GM since you were 10. So the fact that everybody has reasons to not like this, man. If you've been dealing with this shit for 30 years, you probably remember (laughs) way back from, like, 2000 when we were supposed to go out and, like... I don't. Maybe they could have had Miguel Cabrera, and that was like a news cycle that you don't that somebody remembers once. I'm making this up on top of my head, but I'm just saying, like maybe that's a thing that you could be like, I remember when we could have had Miguel Cabrera in 2002, and they all said no. Like you know, like there's this guy has been there for so long that he is just always getting the next chance to make up for it, and that's why it seems like finally he just kind of remembered. It's like, hey. If I want the fans off my back, all I have to do is like do what I do every time, which is spend a shit ton of money and go get a start. It's what we do every time, <laughs> like, and it works every time. Like he's a Supreme Court justice, yeah. Essentially, the guy knows how to well, tell, like he knows how to atone for his sins, even though he keeps on committing the same ones. <laughs> yeah, it, like <laughs> he, you well, said, he tried
1: to be the Oakland Athletics for five years. He was, <laughs> he was in an experimental
0: era. Why are you doing?
1: this? Yeah, why are you doing this, Brian? You right. have lots of money. You, you are, you are not the ways. <laughs> Stop
0: it! Stop! Get some help. <laughs> Um, but anyway, that's my Cashman rant, I think. Like you were saying,
2: Birdie, if you've hated somebody since the like Windows XP era, that is <laughs>
0: generational <laughs> beef. It is. That's what I'm saying. It's just like at this point, are you even like do you have the room in your heart to be actively pissed all the time at him anymore? Is it just like Yeah, that's Cashman. Fucking hate that guy. It's like Yeah, you know, dude. You know what?
2: Kissinger dying exhausting. actually led me to think that I need to buy a couple bottles of champagne that I can pop when something's huge, like a huge big thing moment occurs. Yeah. Namely when a prominent shithead dies, kick Um, the old
0: turd bucket.
2: Yeah. And I was starting to consider that Brian Cashman's firing would have been a just cause to, uh, for one of those bottles. But, um, you know, like we say, things can change quite fast in I, major league baseball.
0: They can and to more evidence that point. Um the other day on on my brother and I's podcast, I mentioned that I was glad I found myself happy and excited that Brian Cashman was the one in charge of this negotiation for the Yankees. And that was a very hard thing to get over, but I can admit when I you know, it like not necessarily wrong, because nobody's wrong to want Cashman gone before this. Like, it's, it was a fair conclusion to get to. But I was genuinely happy that he was the one who was handling this because he's very well seasoned, been around the block. We know that he's not going to overpay. We've seen how he handles his pitching prospects and how they never turn into anything. Like, it's all... It's all good. Hey man, like, if the know? worst guy you
2: know bakes a hell of a loaf of bread, you're going to let him make your sandwich. That's
0: wow. <laughs> wow. Put that, crochet okay. that on a throw <laughs> pillow. <laughs> Did you just come up with it? Yeah. That was pretty good. <laughs> it's like the
1: chicks that can't help but listen to R. Kelly still. That's. <laughs> <laughs> They hear that ignition beat hop on. It's like, it's like they can't God damn is like it. This grooving a little bit. Like, okay. Oh, he bangs, but he sucks.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Should we talk yeah, about the he's these? a weirdo, but
1: oh, man. that ignition, that but, shit pops. That's
0: fucking... And then, you know, well, you just you find yourself just like moving your head, and you're like, stop, and you can't. <laughs> Woody
2: Allen, man, he's a creep, but how about that Diane Keaton in my right? <laughs> man. Uh, should we talk about the return they gave up?
0: Yeah, probably,
2: <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, well, the Yankees well right? like acquired Juan Soto and Trent Grisham. Yeah. Wait, from he's a Yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. acquired Juan Soto and uh, Trent Grisham from the Padres for the package, centered around the reliever-turned-starter Michael King. Also just, like,
0: awesome dude.
2: Yeah, one of the best guys in baseball, as well as one of the, just the filthiest pitchers in the game the guys, uh, so much so that he's now the centerpiece of, of a one Soto a deal for king. Right. absolutely Shame. love king wish him the best love i king. hope he has I, I hope he becomes president one day they also traded <laughs> drew thorpe uh last year's minor league pitcher of the year That's the one that hurts. really does yeah i mean drew thorpe is a guy that i was like super excited about but the Yankees pitching development is very, very good. I trust them to make more Drew Thorpe. They can pump um, another one out in like six weeks. They had three guys at the end of, of last year who I was finding myself pretty excited about. Drew Thorpe and then Will Warren and uh, Chase Hampton. Thorpe was the main one for sure. like He was the number one pitching prospect in the Yankees organization. But like this harsh reality about pitchers is they break And like when you're talking about a guy who is in double a right now, a guy who's only made a few starts in double a should be up next year, especially now that he's on the Padres, but like a guy who's probably going to be a top to mid rotation level starter for a lot of his career. Like that's a guy that you don't want to trade. And King is a guy that you don't want to trade, but we have to recognize how considerably the goalposts shift when that trade target becomes Juan Soto. Like right. these are two guys
0: who it becomes a no-brainer. It's gonna hurt. Yeah. Just do it. Like just do it. It, it. You can't let it stop you from getting Juan Soto. Mm. Like it's yeah. You
1: can't. There's a lot of risk on the table with those young arms, like you yeah. said. Um, I mean, King was a bullpen guy for the longest time, and it's not like he threw 150 innings for us. Um, and obviously we don't really know if he's capable of that. Um, Thorpe, yeah, there's, there's a couple uh, universes within the multiverse that he becomes an ace, but <laughs> that's hopefully not this one. Right. Um, obviously root for the guy, hope he has a fine career. If he becomes an ace, good for him, but for the sake of the Yankees. Um, but the term generational talent these days is is thrown around too much. Um, but that being said, Juan Soto is a generational right. talent. Yes, I mean you're talking about a kid that you know at 25 years old is is already decorated. I mean, he's he's a younger World than Swiss us, champion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah, um, and I mean, you know, he's got a 420 career OBP. He does it the right way. He's one of the kind of last of a dying breed there in terms of having just as good a contact skills as power skills. Yep. You match that up with a short porch. Um, yep. It's a situation that, like Nolan said. When you're talking about guys like that, it it's an absolute no brainer. Smash the accept button. Um and then what were the other pieces, guys? It was Brito, Vasquez, was, yes. and Higashiyoka. Higashioka. Um, Higashi-Oka. Yep. Yeah.
0: So yeah. I wanted to just say with Brito and Vasquez too, that is nothing, in my opinion. I not agree. that I'm not, not that like, you know, they, they had good seasons for the Yanks last year. Like yeah. I Randy Vasquez was like a fun story. Like he had like never been to a game before the one he started in. Like that's crazy. Like he's never like seen Major League Baseball except for when he was playing it. Like that's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. like and Johnny Brito showed up and started like the second game of yep. the season. Um, Did he which, omens work? Uh, yeah, and like he pitched great. Yeah, and he then, pitched well for a couple. Like of then, then he yep. ran into the Minnesota Twins. Um, but so <laughs> it was. But like they were they were good last year. Here's the thing. Though. Throwins though. Yeah, the Yankees can create more in their laboratory. They print these yeah. guys. They sent two to Oakland for Frankie Montas, and has anyone even fucking heard from Ken Waldachuck? Mm-hmm. Like, Dude, <laughs> where is James Ken Cabrillo. Waldachuck? Where is James Cabrera? Where is Justice Sheffield? Like, they, they make these dudes in laboratories, and then they disappear. Dude, like, it's...
1: Ridiculous. The yeah. funny
0: thing about that Oakland trade is that Walde, Chuck and Caprillian both spent the entire year in Oakland's rotation, and yet you're right that
1: yes. nobody deserved them
0: like side. I know. They I and the thing is, I know they did, and they had like not great but they, 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 they had were, bad like, years. You could say. I think they're, they're like for like yeah. yeah. four they're, They're like mid good. fours, great, I think, yeah. but
2: like the, that would be like generous. I think they were in the fives, oh, and maybe were five sixes. Plus.
1: Were yeah. they really five?
0: Nobody
2: plus on plus?
1: Oakland's rotation. I, mean, I know was, under five. was at a seven point seven. Oh one. God, Jesus Christ! Yeah, okay, he
0: just so got, got, got destroyed. Thought. But okay, so even then, to even better my point, these guys, it's I, the Yankees for some reason have managed to install a system where they are. A, a capable of creating amazing pitching prospects that other teams are more than willing to take because you have to take a chance on the pitching when they, the reality is the only reason they are, what they are is for some reason we have the secret sauce down there that makes these guys able to do what they're able to do. And it's yeah. like, it's, it's the system. It's not the players. Like this is clear. It's clear. It has to be mm-hmm. because they have like these amazing talented guys who go away and are bad like and then meanwhile our bullpen you pull any scrub out of pittsburgh and yeah. all of a sudden they turn into mariano Rivera. like it's you know it's amazing also they just did yeah, that by the way Yeri de los santos they traded for one he's going to be amazing you're uh, going to watch James it happen
1: caprillion 6.34 era uh ken Waldachuk 5.36 yeah. so, not games.
0: that we got much back but how many like, starts Jesus. right right for both
2: of them how many starts did they make
1: uh 14 it looks like for caprillion at
2: least twenty for Walden Chuck.
1: Yeah, thirty-five. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, well, there's <laughs> yeah, why thirty-five they games them. played. I don't know if that's thirty-five starts. He probably made it, twenty starts. That's
2: yeah. like a yeah. third of that team's games.
1: Regardless. It and, is, yeah, and, yeah. and those it's were like
2: exactly. their two best pitchers, next yeah. to like
0: JP Sears, who they also yes. got from. Also, the JP Sears. That's another
2: one that we. But like, who cares? I mean that that was the package for like Frankie Monta. Like all of that was essentially the entire. No, one of those wasn't though, right? oh yeah it? they traded one well no no no, because they got Trevino. Lou Trevino. Lou, they, Lou they, Trevino it was the same trade yes you're right yeah like the only player I'll give, I'll hand this to Cashman like the players else. he acquired didn't do much like Gallo was yeah. a total failure of course and Frankie Montas got hurt maybe they'll Bring him back, but he didn't give up a ton in return. Like, either. the only player that I actually miss is Ezekiel Duran out of that. Like, I, I would like to have him on this team still, well,
1: but that's like, where at least a few of those screw ups came at such a low risk factor with the type of guys that we gave up, the right? I kind of commend him for it, but still sucks. Like, you got to think about the opportunity cost of if you put those same chips. Into larger packages for smarter players, where would we be, right? Yeah, and like by I, the way,
0: I, Cooper Bowman and Luis Medina and Ken Waldachuk, Where's the package <laughs> for Frankie Montas and Lou By the way, yeah, and
1: Medina sucked too. We got We got JP
0: Sears for Nick Rumbleo. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. That's like, not a name I expect. Oh, we boy. got we got Juan Fenn and Nick or er, and JP Sears <laughs> for Nick Rumble. Like Cashman really. Does deserve those, some credit sometimes. Those are, that's <laughs> like, the kind of trait that he's very good at. so good at the pitching shit. It's amazing. Yeah, he, he's good I, like, at
2: spinning, like, I'm not going to say gold, but he's good at spinning, like, no, pitchers. Just like shit silver out of, out of garbage. Well, like, did he you can, see
1: the. He's going to get you a lotto ticket for almost nothing. They did traded, you see hey, the pair? Could have fucking worked out. Obviously, it didn't.
0: Well, he's he going to be it. back. Just the, wait. <laughs> Michael King, they got for Garrett, Garrett Cooper. Cooper yeah. So
2: it's like, and you and then you turn you Michael turned, King into Juan Soto. You turn Garrett Cooper right. into Juan Soto. Like right. you. That's like, what happened. Industry. For all the the shit that we give, Cashman, we definitely have to acknowledge that the ability to make those trades where you give up essentially nothing for a guy who turns right. into a solid arm. Have these long term effects, and and now we're reaping the
0: rewards of that. That this one Soto deal. The thing with that too is again the much maligned Yankees farm system. Again, which uh, it deservedly so. You have not produced anything for us because we keep trading it away. (laughs) Just doesn't turn anything. But their ability to turn guys into players that teams want. Like yeah, I have to. You just some, like I still am oh, gonna bitch about it when the season starts because we're gonna need a guy. Someone's gonna show up and they're not gonna be that good. Like because it's, it's just got it's a gonna, mean gonna happen. Championship. It's New York. Exactly. it's, York. Like, it's gotta when, mean a when Will is Warren is starting games in August this year and we're all like, God damn it, Will Warren's here <laughs> and he's like not gonna be that good. <laughs> I'm gonna be like the farm system never does anything good with the pitching and then we I'm have to like, They're gonna that. trade. We're, yeah, exactly. I'm gonna try, but like I'm still gonna be pissed because. Well, Will like, Warren's going to be starting games. But so. no, 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 specifically <laughs> like, about, like, Will Warren, though, because yeah. that's a guy who's going to be very good, I, think. I hope he's good. I want him to be good, and, you know, maybe he well, will be. If, but, like, he's it, more it of a stand-in like orga- for my point. Yeah. I think like, that, that was just a bad example. That's maybe, fair yeah. enough. But yeah. you but get it my It feels point. like the
1: organization thinks they're sitting on a few four and five starters. Like right. a few of them. Not just, like, they really need one or two to pan out. Right. It seems like they think they still have three to five guys down there that between that – you're going to find a reliable four and a reliable five.
0: Well, you know what? We are going to need that this year because we can talk about this really quick. Uh, The five starter right now, I think, is Will Warren. (laughs) <laughs> so like they kind of need a full well, rotation. Is Herman going to be out of rehab? Like Herman is he, he's gone. gone. They and actually they non-tendered uh, him. I had gone. a point that I was going to bring up too, um, which is: has a perfect game ever been thrown, and then the, both ends of the battery been off the team the next season? Oh, I don't
2: think so. <laughs> That's got to be the first time. <laughs> That's right? really funny.
0: Like that has to be. It's I I don't think that could have ever happened before. It would
2: have to be the first time that both players were not missed.
0: That too. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? That's not true, because there are some weird there's some weird ones <laughs> in there. Oh, um, like enough. did, there are, did but, like, Dallas like, Braden stick like, around? Yeah. I, I, I think for know. I did for a couple of years. And not da- nothing know. against Dallas Braden. He was fine. He was a psycho, but we like Dallas Braden. But yeah. like, you know, one more thing that I, I wanted to say about Soto, and then we'll talk about
2: a couple other moves, and get onto our movie. Yeah, we have a lot to do today. Yeah, we have yeah. a lot. Um, we need to, I think, as fans do away with the idea that a team like the Padres cannot pay Tatis Machado and Juan Soto at the same time. You know, like I said, they're in a very uh, singular situation right now with the recent passing of their owner, who was a big spender on free agents and hired a general manager to be active in the trade market. Peter Seidler was one of the better owners in the league. Uh, Good MLB owner is... Kind of an oxymoron. Yeah, careful, don't trip over but, that bar. But he was, <laughs> but he was one you could stomach since he embodied a lot of the ideas that would make for a successful league were they more widely accepted. And he he, he seemed to be well liked and a good guy. Yeah, he's a guy who put his money where where his mouth was. Yes. But he went a little bit overboard, like we said, paying sander bogarts 300 million dollars through his age 42 or 43 season and then giving 38 year old yu darvish a big 6 year contract right. when he wasn't even looking he looks like he was slowing down a little bit i i think even before that that's certainly the case now if they could opt out of that deal i think they would do it 100%. like the tatis extension was obviously the right idea there's nothing you can do about his missed 2022 due to personal like off the field stuff but that's still like another decade of one of the best players in baseball like certainly a top five top 10 guy and i would defend manny machado's contract as well um but like the main thing that i think we have to drive home here is that tatis machado and soto don't have to be seen as mutually exclusive centerpieces and that teams in Markets like San Diego or like some of the smaller markets can still chase players like that without uh, ending up like the Padres have, which is, of course, broke and on the decline and possibly entering a bit of a redo year. I don't know. But there are just so many factors here that I think that it's very important not to have the wrong... Takeaways here because people whose end game is arguing that players should make less money, and then, of course, that just ends up back in the pockets of the owners are going to use the Padres as an example of a team who did it wrong when really I think that they had the right idea, but they executed it poorly with a few of those contracts towards the end, namely giving Xander Bogart's Trey Turner money when he's not Trey yeah, Turner. That's, yeah, that, that's the
1: problem. That gets amplified when you see C.J. C. J. Abrams come out and look like a, a long-term starter at shortstop for the right
0: nations. Right, right. I always kind of liked C.J. Abrams as a prospect. Like I loved him. Like I thought he was. I you didn't like him very much, Nolan. I know that, but I thought he was going to be good. I liked his skill set. Um, I was out on him towards the like start of this year, but
1: yeah, he, he was, totally he was getting me wrong. like four hundred yeah. in pro ball at nineteen years old. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, like, I,
0: I thought that was again, a King's ransom to give up. But again, yeah, it was Juan he's, Soto. He's so not like,
1: your ninety-five mile an hour exit velo guy. But I mean, he proved this year he's got some pop. He's Super quick, the game's moving towards that. With um, his tools know, are super valuable, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like
0: that athleticism is really, especially because the game changed this year with the way that you know, right? They've leaned to, into athleticism and speed and all that. That and that's benefits. not Xander Bogart. CJ Abrams is not Xander <laughs> Bogarts. Never has been. Like it Bogarts won't be as, as he, he turns that, like, forty. Tuned,
1: right. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's not like know. tuned for that new game. How yeah. Like CJ is and to, now. You hand him that much cash.
0: Exactly. And like to the point that you're making financially, I. I mean, yeah, the Padres could have had Tatis, Machado, Soto, and like Hater and uh, and Blake Snell if they wanted to. But they, first of all, too many bad. Like Xander Bogarts is the mistake. Like yeah, that's really let's is. just we'll, we'll just start with that. That was stupid. Oh, can you I Darvish just? was stupid. But also one one thing that I also just need to say their – Regional Sports Network, I think, is Bally, and I think they're going to have an issue soon on their their money that's coming in from that, which is, if you don't For know, sure. all of the sports teams, all the baseball teams make their money off of their Regional Sports Network and their broadcasting and all those kinds of th- Not all their money, but a very hefty percent of it. Um, Bally so sports is a money laundering scheme. It's it's also I think it already folded <laughs> and it got like bought up by the teams or something. So like that. Yeah, dude, well done. That is, is a hated company. Uh, yeah, not good. But so there like there's gonna be a huge problem with how projects games get broadcast soon, I think. Like I, I don't know all the details of it, I just know it's like a thing that's coming with them and it's something to watch out for with them. And so their whole revenue stream is about to get extremely interrupted. And that's not good when you have to pay a lot of money to people who are getting paid way too much money than they're worth or way more money than they're worth. So, uh, you know, again, I'm not a finance guy at all. It's just like I'm aware that that's not a good way to do business. (laughs) Well, but
1: it does like I think no one's right where it's hard to fault their process because they were really aggressive. They were a team that wasn't successful for a long time and they galvanized the fan base. They
0: did the right thing, and that was like like going for it with that core with your owner and the health situation that he was in, even is all it's all the right thing. It's a good thing and it's good for the sport. It's just like you know, now you got to pay for it literally and figuratively.
2: So and, like, I wanted to talk also about that uh, trade that they made a couple of years ago with Washington for Soto. Because if you don't, yeah. if you guys don't, don't quite remember any of the listeners out there, the package was uh, James Wood, CJ Abrams, Robert Hassel, Mackenzie Gore, oh, uh, God, Jarlin Susana, and Luke Voigt, which is really <laughs> funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, the. <laughs> We've, I've killed Brody by remembering Luke Voigt. Luke, oh, no, man. it's not
0: just Luke Voigt. It's that Luke Voigt was like was the, the only trade. major yeah, leaguer so that was traded for Juan Soto. Yeah, he had to like leave you? the Padres that season to go play for <laughs> yeah, the worst. Just had, oh to, just had to take the, so the spot sad. on the 40-man oh, roster
1: shit, so they didn't have to so rush funny. up a youngster. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But like, <laughs> what, That's really funny. <laughs> oh, man.
2: When they made that deal, like all of the talk around it at the time was, why the fuck are the Washington Nationals trading Juan Soto? Like, you automatically lose by they trading. They got a whole team. Yeah, by, by, you automatically lose by trading that player with two and a half years left on his contract. So we can talk about the fact that they gave up all that and now are getting back in like, <clears> the <throat> pocket of pitchers for the Yankees. Angels! Exactly. But like. But, <clears throat> but like idiots. But, you know. When they made that trade, they bought that um, that NLCS run, and had they won right. the World right. Series, like that's Would've immediately worth it. Worth it. it like is. we got to talk exactly. about that because it the playoffs recently have been so chaotic, and like they they were
0: close, like they were very close to reaching the World Series that year, and like something I, they should have known is that Juan Soto is not a West Coast guy. Something that I told you at the beginning of last <laughs> season, I was like. Soda just hates the West Coast. It's so obvious. And then this year, everyone was like, yeah, Soda doesn't like the West Coast. He wants to be in on the East Coast. You might, yeah, I was you, like, you been I right. literally called that shit a year ago because he came back East and, like, I think it was like a series against the Braves that the Padres had and he, like, lit him up. And he was, remember, he was off to that slow start. I was like, Soda's just like an East Coast guy. He just, like, wants to be on the East Coast. And then it came out that that's true. I yeah I guess it. so So good for you man Nostra Nostra Brodus Strikes again <laughs> Yeah big time <laughs> Victory <laughs> lap for Brody. I'll take it. Take that lap, dude. Um, I will take it. I'll be it. at the
1: end of it to give you a big high five. I, hey, <laughs> it, it ends with us getting Juan
0: Soto, so you should be there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lance, exactly. do you have uh, anything
2: else to add about Soto or King or the Yankees well, or the Padres? I just want to
1: say, like, I used I used Abrams as the example, as them, like, and obviously you've got to put him in that package when you're getting a guy like Soto. Right. But still, if you're the Padres, why not just hang on to Hashan Kim and they, they still have him? But Right. Why not utilize him as your starter at shortstop and and save the money for Bogarts? I mean, that one is a head scratcher. That was when kind of aggression comes and bites you in the what ass. What about Mackenzie um, Gore,
0: Robert Hassel and James Wood, dude? That's a I, whole core. Like well, I mean hassle is. Is well, sucks Barrow's i'm so out on Hassle, really world. yeah he's yeah, done i've actually really fallen
1: down i have not um, gore looked gore's gore looked not great for a while though and, and with pitchers when they show that yeah you know, sometimes they figure it out long term yeah. gore um, i think
2: is a three starter with a and a good system and a like four or five starter and a bad system but he's a three starter right now on a bad team if that makes any sense sure. like yeah yeah, yep. Gore like Hassel, uh Susana's one of those like high risk, high upside pitching prospects. Yeah. Like
1: April, like what could be a tank?
2: Yeah, like two and a half years of, of Soto, what well, that was absolutely the right call. Like, you know, yeah. Like even if you wanna say like hindsight or whatever because they they didn't win and now they're broke and they had to trade him and like wh- whatever like it was still the right move because you trade for it Juan was. Soto
0: when you get the opportunity it to was. trade for Juan Soto. So I also just wanted to say cuz I just went to Juan Soto's transaction pages. First Again, of all, generational talent. The aspect. Yankees one is not there exactly, generational gotta talent. Add those guys. Um, got to add those guys. Funny thing, today I found out cuz I was looking through the yank the 2008 Yankees transactions from the winter. They signed Gary Sanchez as an international free agent in like December of 2008. Fun fact. So, the same offseason that they got everyone else, CC and, and That's whatnot. wild. Yeah, that's when they signed Gary Sanchez. So, think about when Gary Sanchez showed up and the fact that he was signed in 08. Seven years in the minors, right? Because it was 2015 or 16. It was 2016. So you, the summer of 2016. Higashioka. Um, uh, no, no, oh, no. Because he no. spent so many years, too. Juan Soto was signed as an international amateur free agent in 2015. <laughs> oh, my God. He is so young. Juan
1: Soto yeah. is so young. He is 24. I mean, they called him up for him. I think he had, like, five A games. Yeah, um, think about how long been you've right been
0: hearing his freaking name. absurd. Yeah. yeah. He, he has been around for five years. He's is 24.
1: He like, was. Hit he hit two homers in Yankee Stadium at yes, 19 years old. He did.
0: He won a World Series before he could <laughs> drink. <He's, laughs> like, he, he is actually he's 25. Yeah. He just turned 25. Yeah, He just turned 25. He's so freaking young. Like, this dude, if you signed with a 13 year contract, you would be worried about the last one year of the deal where he's going to be yep. 38.
1: <laughs> like No, and I think I he mean, ages fine. He's I think he ages the fine too. He's a hitter. That I think is huge, guys. Soto has a baseball body.
0: Yes, he does. Like,
1: judge, stand. And some of these guys are so jacked. Yep. Like, it definitely makes them more prone to some of these soft tissue injuries. Yep. And Soto's durable as they come. And Soto is a 6'2", guy. 225, oh, yeah. dude. That's what you him. want. That is so- what you right. want.
2: Soto played 162 games last year. That
0: too. He also yeah, plays insane. every freaking day. He doesn't steal. He doesn't run. He doesn't do shit. All he does is trots nope. when he hits his Fucking
2: Something monster. else that Dogs. we somehow ha- haven't mentioned yet. He walks twenty percent of the time. He's led the league in walks <laughs> for the last <laughs> three seasons. OBP
0: last he year. was like He's well,
2: led the wa- the league in walks in the last three
0: seasons.
1: He yeah, was, was
2: crazy hundredth percentile in the league at walks at age
0: nineteen. He has led the league yep. in walks for the last three <laughs> seasons in a
1: row. The, Him the twenty twenty two year. I mean, in the second half, he had like a five hundred forty OBP. And That's he almost won the MVP ridiculous. after, like, a terrible start. He
2: contributed to a World Series run before COVID. Yeah.
1: yeah. In
0: 2019? When he was 19. He was 20 yeah. years old. 20, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 20. Ridiculous. Like, God, this guy is legit. He's the dude. If you are going to be putting your stock in anything, Yankees, go just... just I mean, I know he's never going to sign an extension because Boris is a shit fuck. But, like... At the end of the year, first of all, like, let's just like get every single Dominican person from the Bronx and just have them around him at all times. Make him feel at home. Give him everything he wants, all the creature comforts he could ever need. Just make him feel like family. He's never going to want to go anywhere. Give him a and New then York at the end slice. Of the year, you give him a New York slice. <laughs> get him a chopped cheese. All right, and just let him feel what it's like to be here make him fall in love with it and then give him fucking 550 million dollars for the next 13 years and just coast. Yeah, don't overthink
1: it. Coast. But um wasn't wasn't the offer that he turned down from uh Washington 400 million 440 and 440? That's
0: yeah. right. 14, so but here's the thing who offered it? <laughs> yeah, well, that would yeah. make him be a national for the next decade and a half, which is a, I think he wants torture. I would not wish my worst though. enemy. Yeah. Okay. Give it to him. Who cares? Uh, give it to I him. I yeah, yeah, give literally. it to him as well. Give it to give him. It to I him. wouldn't we, bad an eye. Max Scherzer signed a contract like forty years old for like oh my three God, years. No. Like who cares? Forty one. The Mets Soto do at forty one. Who cares? Don't give make it to my him. day. Give it to him. Yeah. Give Money's it to him. not real. Give, it to, Give it, him. it to him.
1: Give it to him.
0: Also, it's also not ours. It's it's also <laughs> not ours. A. Also, yeah. um, by the time that contract is over, forty million dollars a year probably won't be that much. B. C. This is probably also going to start a streak of, um, teams. I I think it could very much make a thing where teams call up their prospects at a younger and younger age because a twenty-five year old free agent, you can give them a 10, 12, 13, 14, 15-year deal and not be afraid of the end of it. So, like, that is, you know, while it could bite you in the ass on the on the money side if they end up being amazing, you could end up not having to sign your guys at 30 for a 10-year deal that you have to swallow hard to do. You can, if like, if they're 25 and you give them a 10-year deal, by the time they're 35, are you that worried about a 35-year-old little start. amount of players that can do like, it that yeah it's like, that's true but at the same time like the ones who you don't that you're like not afraid of or like or the ones that you have like a little bit of doubt for but like you think that yeah. there's a chance just do it like it's the the reward is so much better like if you can just get it done, or lock them up like the Brewers did with Jackson Cheerio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and the Braves, yeah. like that. Yes, they, the Braves, the Braves got thing. really
1: famous for that recently. Yes. I mean, just dropping like eight, nine years. Screw arbitration. We're going to give it to you right now. Right. It right, right. probably goes a long way in that secondary negotiation with that player. Yeah, you know it know what definitely what
0: I mean? does. And it's already it is happening now that you have these extensions at young ages and like the long term contracts. Yeah, and, because and then you can. not Cruz, they started you're, the you're clock on him early. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like exactly. it's. Well, it's, it's going to be a thing.
2: That's the thing too about uh, Soto's walk
0: rate is that that'll like, that'll translate to old age.
2: Yeah, well, I was going to say he has <laughs> the type of profile that should age very well. Like he's essentially the anti Javi Baez, where right, like he's not a guy where like you're going to pay <laughs> now and then regret it and. Let, three years let alone, let alone like one, eight, eight, eight <laughs> nine ten years like yeah. you're, that's a that is a generational talent we've said it three or four times we should hang up that term now yeah, that you fair. got on your yeah, team we know. and listen if nothing else, if he goes down for the, the whole year and this trade only go this trade only goes from giving the Yankees a twenty percent chance to sign him in free agency to like a fifty percent chance, and those are just two numbers that I pull Orange. out of thin air, but it's worth it. That alone worth it. is worth Michael King and Drew Thorpe and yes. all those other guys. Well, to even easy. have you a thirty percent. You can go get increase. Michael King
0: back in twenty twenty-six if you really want him back. You can
2: get six. True. You can f- go find three more Michael Kings. Well, you're the, I don't know about the that. Yankees, and you churn them out like butter. I don't know. That that is a and good like point. Like we touched out on that the beginning of the special, episode, though. this
1: front office is this front office needs it this year. I mean, it's New yes. York. It's a it's a it's a market that demands championships. Yes, year after year, whether it's unreasonable or not, and you haven't delivered one in over a decade. So let's go. Let's Almost get it done. Decade and a half, and. Um, yeah, just, I mean, shell out what the hell you need to shell out and, and put a star out and there. That and that is watch.
0: also, I think, why there's so much to say about the Yankees right now. And any of our listeners who are not Yankee fans, we apologize, but we also don't shut up and, like, enjoy <laughs> the Yankees are about to go win the World Series. So that's, that's the reason. Um, whenever the Yankees do this, it usually results in a World Series. When they go this hard and this all in, it usually pays off so you know knock on wood fingers crossed you know burn some incense or whatever your your superstitions are because this is like the kind of thing that when they do this and that's the the thing that drives yankee fans nuts is they could always do exactly. this it's but the when they 40s. do this <laughs> they usually win so like it's it's coming and that's why everyone's so excited and it feels mm. like the winds have changed, the tide is turning. Let's go, Yanks. That
2: goes back Fingers to cross
1: my,
0: yeah, Fingers crossed for Yama. Fingers crossed
2: for Yamamoto. That goes back to my very first point about Bryce Harper too, because they always could have done this they and they did twenty nineteen and that has hurt us for the past four years. And once more I will drive home the point that it is completely insane that he was able to fix that and that we now have a player of bryce harper's caliber one of the three to five best hitters in in the world like this is the guy
0: you go out and get and i i'm I'm just i'm over the moon to prove how much they could always do this if another team swung and missed on a 200 million dollar pitcher contract in the last offseason season they would not be setting themselves up to dish out possibly 800 million dollars within the next 2 between two players that being Yamamoto and Soto and i'm talking about Rodón um so the Yankees can always manage to go and get who they need and that's why it was insane that we ended up with people like Josh Donaldson and what you know the names i don't need to do it yeah and we're good it's like you know to to fill out the roster when there was Always better options. So also still anyway. very
1: hopeful for Rodon. Yeah. Me too. I,
0: I am too. I'm just saying, like that's it's a very real possibility that they completely whiffed on that contract. It's on the table. According, according
1: like, to TTT Wiz, uh, the Sauce Man, he looks like the same pitcher when you when you delve into the stuff. So I'm, I'm
0: glad and I you believe in hope. him. I really do. It's just that last the sauce, year. It, it was a rough first
1: <laughs> year. That's all. And it's possible it that it rough.
0: doesn't end up going that injury well. lot. And and yes. that's the
1: thing is health could derail it. It might not even be the guy's ability that right. that screws it up. Yeah, he
0: has a chronic back problem. Apparently, like yep, there's there's some stuff that could really go wrong with that contract. And it's two million million dollar contract. Yeah, so, and they bounce like, back and they do this, but and exactly. they're
1: going to make a large run at Yamamoto. So exactly, you're right. I, I point definitely received. And, and hey,
2: I don't know. It's with. it's the off season. We're talking about what happens if Rodon's contract stays bad. But hey, what hmm. what happens if he goes out and takes comeback player of the exactly. year exactly You go do that. Oh my god, two
1: seven ERA with two oh. hundred fifty Ks. Please, thanks. <laughs> hundred and
2: hundred and thirty, hundred and forty like innings. Oh man, yeah, be f- beautiful yeah i I think that's about it for uh juan soto uh we got a movie to talk about this week but why don't we take a quick five minute break come back and get into ridley scott's napoleon we'll be right back on mudville what would you do if this assignment of defense was transferred to you I promise you brilliant successes.
1: Everyone. Everyone around What is this costume you have on? This is my uniform.
2: Everyone so
1: I led the French victory at long.
2: What is your name? Napoleon. The course of my life has changed. Napoleon.
1: I'm destined for greatness. But those in power will only see me as their sword. I suggest you take the throne as a King. king.
2: We're back on Mudville. We have got a movie for you guys this week, and that movie is Ridley Scott's new two-and-a-half-hour blockbuster, Napoleon. Napoleon. What? Napoleon. Nap. Nap- Nipplepole? Nap. On. Nepal. <laughs> I don't know. Napoleon. Starring Joaquin Phoenix and Napoleon. Vanessa Kirby. This is Ridley Scott's fourth movie in four years or something like that, which he oh, no will it felt happily remind you of. He gave quite the shitty quote in a recent press junket about how Scorsese in the time he made f- four movies in the time Scorsese made one or whatever and hey man one of those movies was House of Gucci so <laughs> you can calm down a
0: little with that Wait, um,
1: so we're not supposed to be talking about the movie with John Heater in it right? We can talk about that movie
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> a very different Napoleon <laughs> Although Gosh. just as American
2: that's another <laughs> brave man, to be honest. It is. Uh, that's another important figure of of yeah. history. Man. When this, he gave uh, uh, the fat lard her I, food.
0: Yeah, th- the <laughs>
1: historical implications of Napoleon Dynamite are just so far-reaching. It's really hard to, really hard to overstate.
0: <laughs> All right, so we should... No, when I first talked to you about your thoughts on this one, you said that it was like if someone tried to make Barry Lyndon and just couldn't. Um <laughs> I feel like it's like if someone tried to make Barry Lyndon and, like, didn't get it. It's not like that they couldn't do it. It's just like you missed out on why we care about Barry Lyndon. Because I don't give a shit about the character of Napoleon in this movie at all. Because you open up with him as, like, already a success. I don't know. From the gun, stupid.
2: One of the main things and I liked
0: this movie overall <laughs> Yeah
2: dude That's the thing I have like so many Criticisms of this And I feel like When I was like Writing about it I was like This feels like I'm totally panning This movie And that I, I hated it But like I still Gave it a positive score And I do have a it like a six and a half Or a seven Exactly right well, Not to spoil our scores oh, But um, I feel like Cut I, that out in post <laughs> And I do have a Theory as to Why that is Like something sort of Hit me that this time but i'll i'll get to that in a second um one of the the main things that you know i thought about this even when i heard that it was becoming a movie is that stanley kubrick originally wanted to make napoleon around the early 70s after clockwork orange and that a lot of the work that he did trying to prepare his napoleon eventually went into barry linden a lot of the time that i was watching this movie that is a lot of what i was thinking of was one you know what would kubrick's napoleon be like because and two it just made me think of i would so much rather be watching barry kubrick's Lyndon right oh, now Oh, yeah. and that for me is like something that is so consistent whenever i'm watching ridley scott is that he always reminds me of directors that i like so much better or like movies that i'd rather be be watching the entire time i was like
0: i would rather be watching gladiator like and <laughs> which it's, is a- another ridley uh, scott movie but that's is it actually yeah oh my god okay well that makes sense <laughs> um so uh point taken and point received he makes um, so many movies is the point is yeah it's he like, does jesus yeah. christ well anyway that that is the thing about this movie uh Joaquin Phoenix has done the dictator with no accent thing before. Didn't work at all in this one because the French are a lot more recent and uh, we know what they're supposed to be like. Uh, And you can do a Roman dictator in like this weird, creepy, no accent way and it'll be fine. Uh, But to do like the French and not only the main character, but no one has a French accent. I think one character in the entire movie has a French accent. No one speaks French. I could not differentiate between who anybody was. Like, you literally... it's It sounds like the English are fighting the English. It sounds like a civil war at the end. Like, just for context, <laughs> I need to know who the hell these people are. Like, I mean, you need... Like, it, it's... That was like, bizarre to me as well. That's I don't understand. I just don't understand it, the it choice very to do no French act. No fr- these are French actors. They don't have French accents. Why? <laughs> like yeah, yeah.
1: I was very perplexed by that. That was one of the first things that hit me. I don't get it. Um it was a very avant-garde, I think, like representation. I think is the only term I can use to explain the the um yeah. kind of like pers perspective and perception and and like Underlying tone they put behind the adaptation of who these people were, right? Especially in the beginning, like it, like you said, Brody, it skipped over, or uh, Nolan, I think you said it, it skipped over him, like building any respect or reverence, yeah. Um, and it just like jumped in and like this is him, and now you're just gonna basically see like the good. You never got to see like the movie starts um, with I have a plan, it's like, uh, yeah, who who are you? You didn't get to see like (laughs) Like, the rags to riches aspect of it, he was born.
0: To no money on Corsica, which is an island in the middle of nowhere, like yep, that would have been came, a cool story. And he story. came off passive in the <laughs> like, movie, like yeah. as if
1: some passive random dude in the seventeen hundreds would make this kind of meteoric rise right, right, um, right, and damn near conquer Europe. It happened <laughs> to him. He
0: didn't do it. That yeah. was the
1: wor- Like that's my
0: biggest criticism of this movie, other than the fact that I don't think that, Joaquin Phoenix's well, Napoleon feels like he could have done anything when it comes to leading people, he did not seem like a leader at all. He seemed like no, a weird little didn't. bitch. Like, like a weird I don't... Little,
1: little bitch lone wolf. Yeah, like, he weird. is
0: not, like, Napoleon Joaquin was like a kind of charismatic leader. Into like, into yeah.
1: Napoleon
0: Re- seriously, like, I don't I understand. was thinking Freddie Quell manic, a little from weird. The Master.
2: Yeah, And I definitely I did have it. a hard time buying Freddie Quell, first of all, as a Frenchman, but second of all, as an emperor and, like, a military dictator or whatever, yeah. like... Joaquin has certainly sort of settled into this like um, Disturbed this, weird, Yeah exactly like, This like yeah. disturbed yeah.
0: Very dark Disturbed genius role <laughs> And Persona you know like Napoleon
1: that, did have An aspect of that To his personality When you like Learn about him In school Very narcissistic like, oh, Of very course true, Anybody who dude.
0: wants To become an emperor Is exactly. probably gonna be like that <laughs> But yeah. it,
1: it, that character Needs to be so much More ruthless And so much oh, yeah. less Like aloof
0: Over the do. top Because very that's an bizarre. Over the top and, thing To be
1: Like for the whole first hour, it's just showing him simp over his wife cheating on. him. Yeah, like, I it's and it's like all right.
2: Let me get into first, like you know, just the basic structure of the, the film because uh, it starts with the brutal depiction of the beheading of yeah. Marie Antoinette. Yeah, right?
0: that also felt out of.
2: It felt so real though to me. It's like yes. it's very like mechanical and procedural right. the right. way that they execute her to the point where it's like oh there's nothing really like cinematic about this it's just no, like it's, a tool that brings instant death yeah and like it's it's a little chilling and just like a very harsh way to open the movie and then it has that that opening title card where it's like as it's like all this is happening as napoleon bonaparte is like attempting to earn power oh, in sure. the french aristocracy and it's like like you guys said Uh, the movie starts and he already has
0: like some tangible amount of power in charge of stuff yeah we never got to see napoleon the man man. but like we saw napoleon the general and napoleon the leader like and that's like if you're gonna tell this story you need to know who he is. you only saw that behind is. closed doors. Yes. Yeah,
1: you didn't see that to any of the common people. Right, right, right. The only, like, real hoorah moment they have is, you know, towards that end of the movie where right. he finally comes back the soldiers, from uh, the first yeah. island he got exiled yeah. to Yeah. Uh, um, and they follow him to the capital or whatever. right. right the right.
2: movie attempts to depict the life and the influence of Napoleon, his military genius and his important victories, his ascent to emperor and relations with other world powers, as well as the fall from grace and subsequent coup d'etat he attempted uh, towards the end of his yeah. life. Uh, and it does all this through the lens of his relationship with Josephine, played by Vanessa Kirby his wife and best friend. Uh, we see the ups and downs of their relationship align with Napoleon's command over the French military. You get to see her story as well. You hear a bit of her backstory from before they met, honestly, more than you hear of his. Uh, and it's, it's implied that yeah. she was like promiscuous or whatever, yeah. but, but, once uh, she's just French, dude. <laughs> once they're together, it's important to see how she impacts France, too. Like, I yeah. got the sense that the writers wanted there to be more of a Macbeth dynamic there historically. So they could kind of use that to their advantage, like dramatically. I don't know. I'm. I'm not seeing a ton here that's going to really like stick in the memory. And if they can bend the rules enough to have him shoot the pyramids, like you think, maybe they could have spiced up some of the <laughs> scenes to make um, make them a little more dramatic. Or I don't know. It's a lot of awkward. Yeah, I was wondering yeah. if that was legit. They or made not. her
1: unlikable to an extent. Yeah. I mean, someone really like the character, I don't but know. It, was, it not was someone.
0: I I liked her. I think she was a little. Um... You want like this isn't one of those royal things where it's like you were chosen and this is like put on you and you have to be here, whatever. Like they, yeah. you know, they're married for good reason. Like they, you know, fell in love or whatever. But then at the same time, like you're, like, I don't know. Like the whole like cheating thing is all very strange. Like it's just her character is weird. Like my, we were talking the entire time. Like afterwards, like did she, did she love him? Did she like him? Did she appreciate? His power or his person, like what? What about? Like it it was just a hard to read character, and like it's unclear where she stands. Maybe that's on
1: purpose. But her would have gone a long way,
0: right? Like where? What? What are your actual feelings on this guy? Like who? It seems like you care about like the only time that she writes him a letter is when she's asking for stuff. Like she asks for land and, and shit. Like that's the only time, like he's writing letters to her constantly. It's like a framing device. They use the only one that she does is when she's like, I would love your holdings too. If you're going to divorce me, like it's like, (laughs) uh, like, okay, (laughs) so what's your deal? And then like, it just, and then, but then it's like framed as like, I am so sad that we have to divorce and all these things. I don't know. It was just all very, it was like, it's, we, we came out of it thinking that this movie felt like it needed another half an hour at minimum just to, like, give everybody some space to breathe.
2: Yeah, well, that's kind of the thing also that I meant about where I, I feel like they wanted a Lady Macbeth dynamic out of that character. But it's based on a historical figure who just wasn't that type of person. And, like, I think that that's an inherent flaw with, like, trying to depict the lives of, like, a royal in the 1700s or whatever like that, is, like, to an extent, you're you're going to kind of get, like, what we expect to be. Like, okay, like, you know, this is a person who went, wasn't born into riches. It was, like, more of a rags-to-riches story, but, like, at the end of the day, she still had riches, basically. And, um...
0: Yeah, she died rich.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and... It's, spoilers by the way and so it's like <laughs> she marries napoleon and they ha and the all of the movie is about the like complexities of that relationship um but i never really felt like they like nailed her down as a character and i feel like they wanted her to be something that she really wasn't uh and i don't think that that's the fault of vanessa kirby at all like i no, think that no, she was no, no. very good in this this role i think um, it was the script but it, yeah Acting no the, elite, the script is very very I think thing. it was the
1: script and that honestly the script and kind of that the underlying plot just was really my only gripe because I loved the uh the cinematography.
0: Yeah, it was um, good.
1: I loved the yeah. battle scenes. Me too. Those were absolutely elite. Like yep. we haven't had some top-tier battle scenes in movies that are based on like realistic context in a really long yep. time. That was really cool um, to see. I
0: I mean I, I yeah, love history and I, I like war stuff like that like I, I just watched uh, Band of Brothers for the first time recently in the Pacific really into that so like this was yeah. kind of a, a fun little itch to scratch um, but I, I really liked the humor in this movie I thought like where they put yeah. it in it worked really well the, one of my favorite things like, like afterwards like when he's trying to do the coup and they run outside the two of them, like him and his brother. And he's like, "Your countrymen have betrayed their oil oaths, and they have become what they have sworn to defend against." He's like, "They're trying to kill me." He's like, "And they're trying to kill him." Yeah, <laughs> <Like>, yeah, <laughs> that was <sounds> good. <laughs> um, yeah, that was pretty funny. It was like it's it was fun. Yeah. That I've, being said, a lot of the other script was very kind of stilted and chunky, and needed to. I think it needed another. Uh, work on some of the lines. But yeah.
2: Well like what well, that's like what you said is I feel like it needed more explosive performances and it needed more like memorable side characters or whatever. Like, you know, you we talk about like I there's so much Barry of the Wynne movie that like frankly no I've already forgotten. Wynne, definitely but needed yeah. a yeah. little more like there's yeah. the the one line that I, I did find very funny was uh the, the actor's delivery of I'm enjoying a succulent breakfast. Yep. like if the movie had more more stuff like that, like with with like actors who one had been given more to work with and like more of a character to build through their performances and then just performances with a bit more like passion behind them. Like, I don't know. I, it, it felt like a little bit more love needed to go into this movie. And a lot of areas where detail could have turned this into something really impressive. I feel yeah. like those extra steps just were not really taken.
1: I definitely needed more time and more information to connect with a lot of the characters in a way that like, maybe I would have been tear jerked at the end or something like that. Or just, like, really m- had the movie make me feel something past just raw entertainment and, like, okay, well, this was good art, but the story still I, just wasn't super dialed to me.
0: I think the moment that I felt the most, like, you know, just, like, the most made you feel something the most is actually, I think it was... The most Yeah, the most moment. provocative. I think it was uh, Austerlitz, like, the scene at Austerlitz when, like, because the yeah. more you watch that scene as it unfolds, you're like, he's just going to kill everyone here and then you see that it's on ice and then you're like oh shit and then it just all like you feel that that it's gonna like go poorly and like you see that he's setting all these traps but you don't know how big of a trap it is and then it's like oh my god God, he's yeah, just gonna murder everyone. It's ice. They just the start audience. running, and it's yeah. like, oh man, they're all gonna die. <laughs> it's like yeah, that, was, that really, was really cool and very well done. Money's um, on the screen
2: sometimes, and like, yeah, I feel like that that's like sick. I would usually feel like a, a little bit lazy using that as a criticism, but it does feel like nowadays most of these movies that cost like three four hundred million dollars just feel like again money laundering schemes that were made on like a (laughs) green screen or or whatever so like even though we didn't like love the script or the story of this or whatever like I do have a genuine deep appreciation of Ridley Scott's abilities to build these like set pieces and for us to be able to witness this like fight choreography and to see the like editing on the screen there especially when they started like shooting those cannonballs through the oh my heist so, or whatever like that yeah. is a genuinely yeah. like memorable and then he's got scene. the shots and, of
1: the bodies falling through and yeah yep. oh in. Like, dude oh my really god really
0: like memorable well images one of, one of those bodies that Aceful, was drowning upside down like with the head going down and the legs up and i was like that like that, that yeah. that's the kind of stuff that like i sticks mean sticks with you you come out of that just thinking like man it's a good time to be a dude <laughs> like it, it's <laughs> yeah i don't have to go to war and get a 20 inch hole blasted in me by a cannonball like that's good this i can is, play fantasy football i can like chill and yeah. have a podcast yeah like, <laughs> I Put it the
1: most succinctly i think is that like this movie tried to be an elite war love story right but it ended up being a kind of disjointed war and love story right because yeah those two things kind of felt segmented from each other and it I felt like that. the main character was a totally different person within the war circumstances. It was
0: also a political thriller. Which is like a
1: really weird juxtaposition to and not
2: a very good one, with, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah it's, exactly. it's too yeah, many things. Yeah, really like, yeah. A
1: truly yeah. weird one to be left with that in the audience. Like, how the hell am I supposed to feel about any of these people? The right. other thing that
2: good. I wanted to say about that relationship between Pauline and Josephine is like it's a lot of awkward tension mixed with, like, genuine mutual affection, at least the way that that I was reading it. Like, I did get the sense that these were two characters that, like, actually cared about each other and, like, were in love to, like, an extent. And, of course, you know, the power corrupts or whatever, and you have to, like, you have to sort of guide the themes around how things played out historically. So, you know, but there's a lot of just cold mechanical sex, also, that's thrown in throughout... (laughs) And like, a lot of... Cl- <laughs> well, but, yeah, but, like, the way that... Cheek clapping. Like, <laughs> the way that that's depicted, it like... so
1: weird.
2: It's like, it, weird. It, it reminded me of The Last Duel, Ridley Scott's movie from two years ago, where... Yeah. The whole point of that movie was how men's treatment and abuse yep. of women is misrepresented historically and is often glamorized in Hollywood movies. Like, that. that There's was a movie glamorized. that was really interrogating not that. that
0: it wasn't but like what is the example well like
2: you know what i mean not not glamorized maybe but like
0: romanticized, glossed over you know I mean? yeah, yeah romanticized yeah.
2: sure but and also like glossed over just yes. sort of like made whitewashed when really the men had, had no
1: idea about like anything emotional and, like, yeah they were, like they were, they, they were it probably was kind of similar to that. At yeah, course. yeah, they were fucking monsters, and you gotta respect that.
2: Like yep. if you remember two years back, there was a lot of talk about the last duel, like you know, being directed by Scott, and uh, it was written mostly by uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. But the, the people, you know, complaining about that being a Male team usually left out that Nicole Hall of Center also worked on The the script oh. Brody we watched her movie uh, year, I yeah. worked on her yeah movie. You, <laughs> right, you worked yeah. on her movie and uh, I thought uh, Each of their contributions To that movie were pretty Recognizable And then Ridley Scott has house of gucci too in the same year which like has some fun stuff in it like lady gaga desperately going for an oscar while jared leto and al pacino are essentially doing abbott and costello bits is hilarious it also wasn't a very good movie and like ran for two and a half hours so i think that's a good example of why ridley scott grows tiresome like he's made some great movies but when some of them are all the money in the world, starring Mark Mark Wahlberg and Christopher Plummer, because they had to cut out Kevin Spacey. Like it's tough to put a lot of value on his name because sometimes it means a lot and other times it means very little. And one of the more interesting and important things I think about his recent work has been the depiction of sex, like in um, historical circumstances, and how like un it's romantic and cold and it's just yeah functional and i think that that's a very important thing that we have to to remember about that era is like that the power dynamics that you know have have taken place all throughout history have been that's horrifying and unsustainable
0: yeah but that's also it's interesting because he's also portrayed as such a a romantic character where like he's obsessed with her and it's more obsession and not like romanticism like it's you know
1: it's like
2: it's i don't think he's in i don't think he's a romantic i think he's a
0: control freak
1: no but he's like he's hyper sexual from his narcissism
0: he's yes yeah yeah it's like it's an he's extremely sexual like every line to her is like how much he needs her and like what you know like whatever it's like all like everything is that like that's the relationship and it's like the control, the power, the whole thing. And that's like it manifests itself then. And it when, like, the fact that he shows you, it's like, okay, he builds up to it so much in like this extremely romantic way. And then when you see it, it's that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You know, and it just and it
1: immediately becomes to like Nolan's point where now the relationship is just functional and it's just a breed. Right, right. Right. Like, as soon as it's like, okay, well, we're married. Okay. Well, now if you're not having my kids. You pretty much have no value, even though, like, I'm deeply in love with you and all this other shit. I'm writing in exactly, yeah.
2: <laughs> that was one of the but biggest, that's like authentic complexities for the of the movie. movie, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: man.
2: Something else I found interesting: no recognizable actors at all, other than Joaquin Phoenix and Vanessa Kirby, which I think yeah. would have been a more useful tactic in a better movie, one with more detail put into it. Like, and I think that ultimately weighs this one down. Like, you know, like I said earlier, the the movie is missing like a lot of memorable supporting performances that could like appear episodically. Like in sort of carry the movie to its conclusion. Like I don't know, the guy playing Sar Alexander or any of the like British Right, the the like, fancies or, or whatever who like, yeah. insult Napoleon. Like I'm not saying that they have yeah, to be actors or faces that we recognize, but I wish that they had put more effort into the there are so world many building.
0: actors who play, uh, even one other
2: supporting
1: like, character,
0: yeah, bandies. yeah, like I mean, Jesus, well knowns, like all the Game of Thrones actors have been in everything. The crown, like, there's like so many to choose from that are constantly playing aristocrats. They're like, <laughs> if you just want to give them another shot at it, and we would be like, hey, that's familiar, and then it like it's locks you in, like, yeah, yeah. like it just kind of connects you to it automatically, which it. Again, not that it's a problem that you don't know who anybody in this movie is because it kind of works because, like, it really, you know, there is nothing to bring you out of the story except for the disjointed storytelling. Um, But it's, yeah. uh like, you know, that's it, I did notice halfway through, I was like, man, should I know who any of these people are? I actually went to IMDb huh. while sitting there, and I was like, I just have to check because, like, I feel bad. But no, but, yeah, there was nobody. These people are. um Also, I think that... um That succulent breakfast line is a nod to a viral video from a long time ago that's like my favorite thing on the planet, so I was dying when I saw that. (laughs) Maybe, but I don't know if Ridley Scott knows what that is. He might. He might, it's possible. Yeah. Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? That's uh, the funniest thing I've ever seen.
2: Joaquin Phoenix himself was just so good in Gladiator. Like He is the reason that that's one of ridley scott's bangers like right. the,
0: the main because i think that's a good good two performances from russell crowe and and joaquin yeah Beatt. certainly yeah. so but also yeah. the
2: afterlife stuff and gladiator
0: is fucking stupid it's weird that, it's also not uh, roman at all that's extremely christian
1: dude, he just loves that like the little avant-garde touch <laughs> yeah like, i'm an artist dude, I'm not that's just a so true motherfucker yeah. yeah wait that's so true it, man. He There's has, enough, like, little he loves, things. loves, like, some level of abstract to, like, just keep you on your toes a little bit.
2: Right. There are no, yeah, but, like, there are no performances like that here at all. Like, nobody comes in and, no. like, steals the he, show he for 20 minutes. He was expecting
0: Josephine to be that, I think, like, the way that it's set
2: up. Yeah, um, but then they they didn't just didn't give her yeah. enough. Like they didn't characterize yeah. her enough, and they didn't give enough. They didn't make it interesting enough. Supporting characters, like it's it's essentially just a yeah. Joaquin showcase as he walks his way through right. a <laughs> like.
1: <laughs> it is. And I love a movie with yeah. a great supporting character from of an course. actor that I have no clue who he is. Right, hundred. I do too. I do too. I love that. It doesn't have to be fucking. You know, one of these big name guys or, or a well known guy. It, it could have been anyone, but. They didn't develop any characters really past the main two, and those two also weren't developed properly. Right. So it's easily Richard my Scott... biggest critique with it, and I'm probably saying it in an overblown fashion in a movie that like you guys I did think was good. But That's the it thing. definitely left a lot to be desired. It in looks terms pretty of the connection I felt with any of the characters. It looks like pretty and it. it's fun to watch. Yeah. And it's
0: like, you know, it's it's hard to uh like, it's hard to explain that after all this criticism why it's still, like, worth seeing and still good, but it it, it is. like That's Also, gonna... Ridley Scott loves ending his movies with, like, the main character dying and going back to his loved one because he had the end monologue be, like, her saying, like, come back to me or I'll see you soon or I, I don't even remember, but... Yeah, Grey was very effective, I guess, because I don't remember what the ending thing was. But it I was think like, it's hack shit, personally. Yeah, but it's like, because he did that in Gladiator, he did that here. Like It it's sucked like, that, and it sucks. <laughs> it's like, you know, at the end of the main character's life, they have to have a reason to call it a day and to die. And, like, I don't know. I feel like he was trying to reconnect the magic of Gladiator a lot with this one, and it just kind of... Maybe. Missed a little bit. And again, if you I expect that I'm gonna see the director's cut at some point and think it's like uh, way better. Like amazing. Because this movie just needed more time.
2: That is an important thing to note. There is apparently a four hour director's cut of this movie that uh yeah, I mean hey, i I'm, I'm interested in that. I might I might check it out one day when I'm like
0: 70. I still wish the <laughs> Joaquin performance was a little bit more charismatic. I
2: yeah, like I get that. that. Yeah. Hold it I wish all not, of yeah. the performances were more charismatic. Like, yes. and I, I really wish reserved. I didn't
1: sense like the leakage of the Joker into Joaquin. You know? <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. It, it's hard to escape, yeah. man. Like, it is. Um, and I, he did he just brought some of it it's undeniable if you just watch like some of the smirks and sh- it's like, i know from your last film yeah man. That, that was the last one not this one that
0: smile and shit like yeah, yeah. it's just, like in there it's his eyes this whole like some of man. that weirdness I mean, yeah
1: maybe he just got into that joker role a little too hard well
0: maybe the characters are a little too similar <laughs> maybe he just needs yeah, someone exactly. who's not like a fucking weirdo psycho person like right. Get, like, <laughs> yeah, for a second someone who's not obsessed with killing people and see how it goes
1: <laughs> yeah and massive power how sick was it like the character the the part of the character dev that at least was good for napoleon was him as a general and see how the power got to his yes head. yeah um, when he continued his troops marching through the russian winter I oh mean, my that was, god yeah that was like a really cool like turn on its head of like holy shit like this right. guy got just punch drunk on the power
0: well i love that like because um i again love history and i was you know, like I saw the invasion of Russia, and I was like, "Ooh, that doesn't yeah. go good." <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like that's like
2: <laughs> the thing, kind of that people yeah. know about Napoleon. Yeah. And I felt like they had teased it a bit in the trailer, where it's like, "Uh oh, he's going to invade Russia," but actually, the, in the, the s- winter, but like- the scene that they implied was his failed invasion of Russia was actually the successful battle at uh, Austerlitz, that's right? And that's that, that right. I yep. was, I felt that i felt was a little misleading like which is fine like i don't i'm not going to hold that against the movie or whatever but i did kind of wish that they had given more to that idea because it's like i don't know as a like moderate history guy like that is the main thing i know about napoleon is that he invaded russia during the winter and that was his like fatal error well water, yeah it, was really it goes good error, at the beginning yeah. and well like you, it you know what to i mean march. but yeah, that was like yeah. that was why he was like he was exiled. Right. The last thing I was going to say is that I just wish that they had given a bit more time to that, or just like I don't know, cut out some of the extraneous like yeah. parliament shit and like it. They could have gone a with... long way to like
1: show some of the soldiers suffering after yeah. he made the choice to continue oh, trekking forward. Exactly. Like, um, like he killed four hundred thousand soldiers. So yeah, so glaringly obvious that he shouldn't do it. And him still just yeah. being so assured that he should like that was a really cool dynamic that they were. Able it's to. a bit an similar. interesting choice
0: too because I um, I noticed we I don't think one single soldier who's not a general or like someone in, like really high up and highly ranked has a single line in this movie, and that has to be a choice. Like the, I don't even think there's a line. From, like, a regular foot soldier. And, like, I think that's kind of an interesting way to show how they, like, didn't see them as people or whatever, if that's what they were going for. Because the entire time I was like, these people are just getting fucking obliterated. Like, constantly. Like, dying in terrible, hilarious, gross, awful ways the entire movie. And you never hear from them once. Mm -hmm. No one's, like... Man, this is a shitty way to go. Or like, well, at least we're getting paid or like all Napoleon just
1: just ordering guys around. Yeah, just ordering them into
0: fucking death. Into waves of cannonballs. Like, you know, just like and musket shots and like just literal, just like walking into death with no resistance. Like, yeah. That's Awful. ultimately
2: why Awful. I sort of question, like, while I'm watching this movie, like, is any of this, like, worth my time to, like, watch these rich people, like, you know, go through these ups and downs in their relationship? Is, like, thousands and thousands of people Millions. having sh- cannonballs yeah. shot through their chests, like, every day. And it's like, I don't know. Should I care about celebrities today while people are dying? Yeah. <laughs> I exactly. don't fucking know. Like, um, I don't know I guess it's just always happened and it always will you know good point that's how shit works it's um, true if they were trying to like stress that though about the like um, extravagance and the uh, indulgences of the rich or whatever i think they maybe could have driven that home a little bit harder like you know i i, I kind of wanted to know a little bit more of why they, they were executing marie antoinette at the beginning there like, yeah. was a lot didn't really, of context that they yeah, could have given us like, that they don't yeah they didn't really tell us like why the french were revolting in the first place like they just told us that it had turned yeah. it into the
0: reign of they, terror i can and then, tell oh, you do you want me to novel? tell you well, <laughs> yeah we know but like i it was, it was, it was like hey like, here's a big marie movie I know. If
1: you know, you know. Yeah, this is where we're at. Yeah, I know. It's like Which, a
0: fucking you know, Marvel nod. It's like it's like a Marvel thing with their like side. It's like a wink. Like you know, it's like I hate here. winks. So I know, me too. But like, it's just funny that they do that with like Marie Antoinette. It's like. You you probably know who this is. Yeah. Like, if you've seen our other films, you know who this is. <laughs> <laughs> M- Marie Antoinette
2: will return. Uh, well, no, she won't. No, but. she won't. <laughs> In the prequel. <laughs> yeah. Directed by Sofia Coppola. I think Coppola. you're
1: right, though, Nolan. I was looking forward to seeing a little more about the French Revolution, and it was all post. Yeah, I, I was, too.
2: That's Which, like an incredibly... Yeah like interesting time in, in history and you know yeah. like we said we could have watched Napoleon well come documented. up as happened, that was yeah. happening yeah. like there were certainly stages in that that history like one where it's like okay well why were they revolting because their like inequality was to the point where people were starving and eating dirt as like the queen was just feasting on but it also you know it let, let them, eat cake to, and see all that. them I to see them actually see more that
0: give Robespierre the guillotine because historically speaking I mean like that's, like, the best comeuppance that anyone's ever gotten in history. Like Hoist on the, his own petard. Like, like, li- yeah.
2: The, that's the uh, A1 example of yeah,
0: it. Yeah, it is. Like, the dude, like, he did the good stuff, took care of the bad people, got obsessed with it, started killing everybody with the stuff that he came up with to kill all the bad people, and then got killed with it himself. And it's like, that's awesome <laughs> like that's such a good story and like if that was just like a little side bit within the the framework of this movie of like someone succumbing to their worst instincts and like thinking that they have it all figured out like as a little a microcosm of, of napoleon's deal you know what yeah. I mean? no, i'd I, like uh, yeah I absolutely get a that. similar rise and fall fo- well not a similar fall i guess he wasn't guillotined but like a similar rise and fall they should have yeah. made the movie about Robespierre. That would have been sick. I'd That'd love be to see interesting it, too.
2: Lance, do you have have anything else on Napoleon here before we start to wrap up? Uh, and no, give guys.
1: Off, I think we delved in our, deep. Our uh, final thesis definitely covered all the bases. Yeah, I guess my final score. If it's time for that, yeah. I usually do out of five so I can just double it 6.8. I was giving it a 3.4 out of five. That's All right. A, that's um, a very specific I mean, specificity. Fair, I fucking love it's it. So man. it's fair. a solid movie, guys, and I would watch it again. But when it's free streaming and like I'm super stoned one night, that's sure. right. <laughs> it's not going to be like the first movie I go and reach for, but it's like, hey, I'm going to spin back on this one see if there's anything I didn't pick up and uh, watch those dope battle scenes because. I mean, in my opinion, you're talking some battle scenes that are easily top 10 all time, probably in that back end 8, 9, 10 area. That Austerlitz Um, one is going to stay with me. It was, yeah, definitely, guys. I mean, there were some really memorable moments through those, and um, it made it totally worth the watch. So I'm with you. I was happy camper.
0: Brody, have you got any final thoughts? With you there. I wish that Joaquin Phoenix acted more like a person who was supposed to be leading people and not like a. Uh, she was more of an alpha and less of a beta
1: well no (laughs) it like acted acted (laughs) like
0: acted like he was like born into ruling and was like the failing like like uh you know like the the little you wish you bought the performance a bit more yeah Yeah. like it was like um like a little princeling (laughs) instead of someone who earned that (laughs) you know right does that make sense
2: yeah absolutely definitely Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then for me, you know, ultimately, why am I going to give this a positive score? Because something clicked for me this time where I think that I realized Ridley Scott is able to, in his own way, elevate inferior material to the point where it at least has like some sort of rhythm to it and it still moves and it's like entertaining to watch and you know if there's like a down stretch where you feel like you're starting to fall out of it a little it doesn't indulge in that for too long and he's able to keep things moving he's essentially like a game manager quarterback a little bit um, but like, I don't know. He's, it's like similar to David Fincher in that way where he can like elevate trashing material. But like, I don't know, even when I'm trying to compliment Scott, like I can only think of other directors that I like way better. The final thing that I wanted to say about him is that I think Ridley Scott is the Josh Smith of directors, <laughs> the uh, small forward from the Hawks yeah. and Pistons, Jay Smooth. And the 2010s. Like He's a very like physical guy. He's going to get in there. He's going to get in your face. He's going to grab a number of boards a game, and he's going to shoot. He's going to take so many shots, and he's not going to make very many of them. He's going to brick some. Some of them won't even hit the fucking backboard, but he's going to drop you like... and a game, and if the team wins, you know, you're going to take that. But at the end of the day, Josh Smith does have the lowest three-point percentage in NBA history, and (laughs) Ridley Scott's batting average, it it certainly isn't in the 400s. We'll put it that way. Is he Ridley
0: Scott? Would have been an acquisition by the Yankees last year, not this year. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think he's above Midley Scott, but he is bordering on that. Yeah, Midley Scott He's bordering on that. I think that would be a little harsh for the guy who directed (laughs) Gladiator. That's
2: true. Fair enough. You
1: know, well, he's bordering on that for sure, and it's it's oversaturation at a certain point. You know, business is business. At the end of the day, you can't flood the market too much without people starting to to grow comfortable with your product.
2: Damn right. I think that's going to do it yeah, for us point. today. Uh, Lance, cool. thank you so much for joining. Do you have anything you're working on that you want to plug anywhere that the people can find you? Anything you're doing?
1: No, no. Nothing right now, guys. We're um, just hanging out. I love it. Yeah, just, just having a good time trying to uh, make a good episode with you fellas and let the people close to us listen to it. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we're able to give some people a good laugh and tune out for a couple hours and listen to a couple guys talk
0: hell yeah man that's what it's all about it's good stuff appreciate sure. you taking the time to come on i think this was a good one we achieved yeah sure thing guys <laughs> i
1: appreciate you guys having me
0: uh if you are in any time
2: listener or you're coming back around and you haven't yet subscribed to the patreon please do so it is patreon.com mudville you can sign up You can just use it for free if you want, or you can throw us a dollar, or you can throw us $5, or you could even throw us $15. But that's for the real heads out there, guys. You know, we're really starting to ramp up the content. We're having Style Brothers New
0: York Sports
2: episodes hitting basically every week. I am in the works You've been of good about it. There's, yeah, yeah,
0: some new shit coming down the pipeline.
2: I'm in the works of creating a new podcast series with our former guest Tony Brown. That's going to be focused on some more of the niche movies and going down some of the rabbit holes that we don't usually go down on the main feed. So uh, those episodes are going to be on there. So the Style brothers uh, and you know, as we continue to grow and we continue to do. More and more content we're going to be throwing on some Patreon-exclusive episodes. And when that happens, you will want to have bought your stock early. You better get in before we take off to the moon, everybody. Patreon.com Absolutely. slash Mudville. Good sell. Thank you guys so much for listening in to us. This has been a fantastic episode. I'm going to go think about the fact that Juan Soto was a New York Yankee and oh Henry Kissinger is dead.
0: I'm going to go wait for (laughs) Yoshinobu Yamamoto.
2: Nice. I've been Nolan Rabine.
0: I've been Brody
1: Staub. And I've been Lance Armour. Gotcha, Lance. Thanks,
0: guys. Have a good night,
2: guys.